you heard of Channel 55, Super Channel? Okay. Well, we, fil- we filmed two shows. Uh, they're going to be aired today. One of them was at 630 in the morning. I got to give a shout out to Lewis and Kwan Jin. Lewis, they, they text me. They got up in the morning and, sh- and saw the program today. But it's also at 10 p.m. today. So there's a little typo. I think, I think it's at 10 p.m. Well, you could start at 930. If it's not there, it's definitely at 10 p.m. Uh, the email that, that they gave me is at 10 p.m. So if you have the Super Channel today, Mark it in your calendar and watch the program. I haven't even seen it myself, so I'm going to see it. And then the second uh, installment of the show, uh, there's going to be a part two of that because we did two shows. It's going to be in February, and I'll let you guys know. Uh, amen? I'm just sharing that because God is opening doors for us uh, to be on, on TV. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the word of God. Come on, let's just get serious right now. I thank you for the word of God. How many thank God for the word? I thank you, Lord, for the word of God. I thank you for the enriching power of the word. Lord, there's nothing uh, more delicious in the spirit than the word of God. Lord, we just just crave your word. And and by your word, we grow. So today, Lord, um, I pray if there's any temptation to be distracted, if there's any temptation to look away, let us be focused. Give us undivided devotion today, attention today. And I ask, Lord God, that you would anoint your word Um, and that you would release your power in Jesus' name. Amen. So I I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. This is actually Matthew 5, 6, and 7 I'm going to be preaching on very soon um, because the Lord wants me to bring back something that I did years ago that I've only preached like three or four of them back in 2017. This is not one of them, but I am eventually going to to preach um, the Sermon on the Mount again that I haven't done in years. But This launching pad that I'm about to do, I think this is the third installment or fourth of the launching pad, and I did a series called Launching Pad, and I'm entitling it The Secret Place of Discovering God. The Secret Place of Discovering God. We cannot launch in our lives, in our walk with God, if we don't have this simple yet powerful truth. How many know that sometimes some of the deepest things are the simplest things. I'm going to say that again. Some of the most powerful things are the most simplest things. And if we're not careful, we will tune out because we've heard things before. But I want to say today is going to be a merging of kind of two launching paths because while I was in my study, in the middle of it, the Lord showed me something that happens when we do that, when we're in that place of discovery, that there's one main thing that happens when we're in the discovery that I'll tell you that will revolutionize your walk with God. How many have had a discovery or a revelation of a truth in the Bible that changed your life? Okay, 10 of you. All right, that's good. So how about if you've been walking with God for a while and all of a sudden after maybe five years, 10 years, you heard that same scripture or, or something hit you that got you a revelation and your whole walk changed. Right? Now, now you were already walking with God, but maybe you were walking with condemnation all the time or shame, and all of a sudden you got a truth in you. Right? This is what I believe is going to happen out of this place. So Matthew chapter 6, are you ready to receive? Verse 5 verse, and through 6, here's what, Jesus, here's what Jesus said. Now listen, this is a very popular form of scripture, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release what the Lord put in my heart. Okay, Because I was going to talk part 2 of, of obedience, and the Lord changed that. Don't you love it when the Lord changes things? <laughs> He's like, no, do this. And when you pray, everybody say, when I pray. You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray 
watch this, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, here's the motive, that they may be seen by men. There's a foreshadow here, okay? Nothing wrong with praying in public. What's your motive? What's your motive for wanting to be in ministry? Come on. What's your motive to wanting to be on the worship team? What's your motive to want to be having a microphone and preach? Is it because you've studied for a long time and you want people to see how good you are? So what's the motive? So there's nothing wrong in praying in public. He said, that they may be seen by men. Already it was wrong. Now here's the, the launching pad I'm going to start. Oh, surely I say to you, they have their reward. Look at verse 6. But you, say me. When you pray, notice he didn't say if you pray. He said, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, then you pray to your father who is in. This is crazy. Your father, your father who is in. He's already in the secret place. Pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, I want you to see this. One of the greatest things that the Lord has been speaking to me over and over and over again back in November. I said, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? Lord, what do you want to do with the church, with RCC? And it, I was expecting this thunderous thing. You know, we have all these words for the new year, you know, and all this stuff. And I heard the Lord say, return to the secret place. Return the church to the secret place. Because the secret place, what is it? You know, we, we as mature people, most of us know what the secret place is. But you know what? There's some people that are new in the faith, and they don't even know what the secret place is. You know, it's not like, a, what is it, like some secret place like Narnia? Like you, you, you go in, and what is a secret place? What is found in the secret place, right? What, where is the secret place? Is it in one spot? I'm going to tell you. Look at the first slide, I'm gonna, and then we're going to build from here. The secret place, please hear me. Is a private, everybody say private. Everybody say undistracted place in which we set our hearts to seek God and spend time with Him. The secret place is a private and undistracted place in which we set our hearts to seek God and to spend time with Him. The secret place cannot be your secret place if while you're there, you're scrolling through your phone. That is automatically disqualifying it from being the secret place. Come on, somebody. Even if you're alone, watch this, watch this revelation. Just because you're alone with God doesn't mean you're not distracted. Or you're not undistracted, right? But you could be alone and have nobody there and actually waste that time. The secret place is not the secret place if you're praying with people. That's good. That's corporate prayer, but that's not secret place. The secret place is not while you have anything that's vying for the attention of God. Now, and this may upset some of you. The secret place is not truly a secret place if you're eating while you're praying. I'm not saying, I'm not saying to be religious and stuff, but I've seen people, Lord, I just, you know, I just thank you, Lord, for today. The secret place, watch this, is a private place. That's why the Lord says, when you shut your door. Now, a lot of times we may, uh, preachers look at that and, like me, and we uh, come, come with spiritual prophetic 
symbolisms of what shutting the door means. And that is true. Prophetically, we need to shut the door to sin, anything that we have open, right? But Jesus was actually talking about a physical door. In context, he was actually saying, I want you to go to a place where it's private, watch this, and when you're not distracted by emails, text messages, watch this. Is it, is it possible that many of our private life with God is actually halfway powerful because we're, uh, we're praying to God, but we have all these distractions, and I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. Because I use technology to read and I use technology to pray. And, as long, and, and many times while I'm using technology, a text comes up. And then you fight. Should I? Oh, that person wants to talk. It, no. Uh. And I remember that this is the most important meeting of your life. Is the private time. Now, I, I want you to see this. I want you to see something so powerful. Because if you're, uh, if you're, if you get this p- truth... I, I believe God is bringing us back to the secret place, not just to pray, but to discover God. That got three amens. To discover God. We've only limited the secret place to a place of prayer, which we're going to do something powerful next week. Ready? We're going to love it. We're going to have prayer cards next week. The Lord showed me. And we're going to pray healing over every single person. We're going we're gonna to have a prayer service after sur- at, uh, uh, during church, and we're going to see Everyone's sick. We're going to pray for them. We're going to lay hands on them, and we're going to believe God for miracles in their life. Come on, say amen. One of the advantages of being in the secret place is that you hear the voice of God. God is, please, dealing with his church on this issue because I want you to see something. So those of you who know me, I've, sp- I've said what I'm about to say many years ago, but this, I want you to hear it again from a new light. It is possible to follow God and follow him at a distance, and no one will know about it. Do you know that the Bible says Peter followed Jesus at a distance? But here's the trick. Here's what the Lord showed me last night when I was reading this. He said, notice that it didn't say Peter watched from a distance. So you could watch. When you watch at a distance, you're, you're stopped. Your progression is stopped. But if you're, if you're still following Jesus but purposely following him at a distance, the deception to you and to others is I'm still following Jesus. But I'm following at a distance because I don't want the uh, accountability, the discipline, the, the things that he tells me when I get there. So I'm going to follow at a distance. If you're okay with following Jesus at a distance, let me tell you what's going to happen eventually. You will eventually be like Peter who was with Jesus closer than almost all the disciples because it was Peter, James, and John who went up to the Mount of Transfiguration and saw the glory of God. But yet when things got heated, watch this, I'm going somewhere, with Jesus, and Jesus wasn't popular anymore to be around him because now he was getting handcuffed. Guess what? When it wasn't popular to follow him, Peter followed at a distance. But the secret place is what brings you to the nearness of God. Now watch, watch. Because I want you to see Mark 1. I know this is popular, but... Just hear me for a while. I'm laying some foundation, and then I'm going to share what I believe is one of the greatest revelations that comes out of the secret place. Everybody say secret place. Let's not limit the secret place to only the place that we go to pray. It's to discover the nature of God. It's almost impossible to discover the nature of God fully while you're sitting here, me, here hearing me preach. 
It's almost impossible to hear the nature of God when you're driving, even uh, um, hearing a podcast. When you're alone and undistracted, God manifests himself in a greater measure. He actually does. He doesn't, he doesn't love you more, but you position yourself to receive more when you're in the incubator. You're in the greenhouse. Everybody say greenhouse. Come on, say greenhouse. Now watch this. Before I, before I show that, look at Mark chapter 1. Look at chapter... Mark chapter 1. Look at what it says. Mark chapter 1, verse 32. Say amen if you're there. At evening when the sun had set, look at Jesus, they brought to him all who were sick and all who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Could you imagine the whole city of Apopka gathered in all these doors waiting for them to get healed? The whole city was gathered together at the door. Then Jesus healed many who were sick and various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now watch this. Most people, when they have a service like this, they'll they'll high-five a whole bunch of people and say, Oh, my God, did you see that service that we had? Could you imagine? Hey, listen, God is doing something here. The whole city was here. Whoa. And and rightfully so, we'll celebrate what God is doing. But the discipline to return to the incubator where it all started and the reason why Jesus had that power was not only because he was God. He was also fully man and he needed to spend time with the Father. Look at it. He just just healed all these diseases. Watch this. Now in the morning, oh, help me, Lord, having risen a long time before daylight, he went out, listen, and departed to a solitary place, and there he checked his emails. And there he was sipping coffee and eating. Got quiet up in this Methodist church here. And there he prayed. So Jesus actually looked for a place where no one could distract him. He was actually, where is it that I could go to where nobody follows me? Nobody talks to me because this is the time that I need to refuel. Do you know that it's like a, I looked up greenhouse, right? Anybody know what a greenhouse is? Put that slide up there first, guys. Some of the healthiest and strongest benefits to our walk with God. Put that slide up. Some of the healthiest, say healthy, and strongest benefits to our walk with God come from our secret place with God. And while I was praying I, I, I was thinking of, the, of, a, of a greenhouse, like it's an incubator, and I'm not a farmer. I'm not a, you know, ready, right? And so I was like, let me, let me look up more what a greenhouse is. And so the greenhouse, I looked up the definition and the purpose of a greenhouse. Oh, my God. I almost shouted. I'm like, oh, my God. A greenhouse is like an incubator, right, where, where we see exponential growth. But watch, watch what one uh, gardener explained when I was um, doing the, the search for greenhouse. Explain what a greenhouse is. Watch this. An enclosed building. I'm, I'm actually reading word for word. I'm not trying to be like uh, preachy when I say this, but it, it sounds preachy. This is from a gardener. A greenhouse is an enclosed building with glass walls and glass roof. Watch this. The purpose of a greenhouse is to magnify the light of the sun while protecting the plants from freezing temperatures so that the plants can grow healthy and exponentially. It's in a place that is enclosed, no distractions, with glass 
so that the glass could magnify the sun. So when the S-U-N hits the plants, the plants are now, watch this, in a perfect environment to grow fast and healthy. Watch, look at this time lapse Look at that in the video. There's a time lapse. 50, watch this. Six months in a greenhouse. Look how healthy. Watch this. This is in six months. Hopefully they pause it right at 15. Look, look, look at this. Look at that. Look at that. Okay, pause. Guys, look how healthy and green those plants are in a greenhouse. Well, guess what? It's protecting from freezing temperatures. Right? It's, it's protecting the plants from these harmful things that will destroy the plants. If we go to the spiritual greenhouse consistently in our walk with God called the secret place, that is where God is going to start healing and shaping your heart. And that's, listen, that's where Christ-likeness starts. It's not the end all of Christ-likeness, but it starts. Why? Because you spend time with the Holy Spirit. You spend time with God, and it's impossible to truly spend time with God and be mad right after you get out of there. Come on, man. Come on. It's impossible if you truly are seeking God to encounter God. What does it look like to be in the, in the secret place? It means giving your attention on purpose to loving God. It means that you just, you start acting like he acts, you start thinking like he thinks. And, and listen, we tend to quote the promises of God uh, without knowing what those promises are attached to. Have you guys ever quoted the, the promise of God and, and, and you're like, man, that is so good. You know, a lot of us, we quote promises for our family and for our life. And some of us don't know that it comes from like one main scripture. Like, like he gives his angels charge over us. Amen. Hey, no, no weapon form against us shall prosper. That's Isaiah, right? And, 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 and uh, no plague shall come by my dwelling. Do you know that we quote the promises of God without knowing that it comes right after certain verses? The promises of God for protection, all the promises that you see in Psalm 91 are there. All the benefits are there because of verse 1. I wish I had a keyboard. That was a good moment. All the promises of God in Psalm 91 are linked and connected to, to, to the first verse. Without the first verse, there's no confidence in the psalmist to say what he was going to say. Watch this. What, what is it? We all know this. What does it say? Psalm 91, verse 1. Put it up there. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Before you, before you go to the next verse, watch this. Watch this. Come here, you three. All, 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 my, all my elders, my handsome elders here. Right? Just kind of, kind of. Your hands together, kind of like this. Yeah, there you go, like a tent. There you go. Put it, uh, come on, Lou, you got to tip your toes. Okay. <laughs> this, this is symbolic, right, of, so watch this, stay there. This is my busy life. This is my, this is my ministry life. This is my time that I get to do stuff with you and stuff like that. If I neglect this place, I will become dry. I will become bitter my calling, listen, my calling will actually seem like a burden to me, a bad burden. I'll be cranky. 
If I'm just doing ministry because I'm addicted to ministry or because I want to see the power of God and I neglect this place, there's no way that I could really have the benefits. But watch this. I'm giving them a workout in their hands. So when I go here, my secret place, and I spend time with God, watch this. Well, I put Psalm 91 up there. Now I could claim the benefits from the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place, not visits, he who dwells, he who dwells, not every once in a while, every now and then stops by and says hello. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide in the shadow of the mountain. Watch this. Look at the benefits, right? From this place, I could say, watch this, verse 2, I will say, everybody say, say. That means I'm confident because of this place that he is my refuge and my fortress and my strength. I can't truly say that with confidence instead until I spend time with the one who gives me refuge. Watch this. I will say, in other words, I got out of here and boy, woo, he is my refuge. He is my refuge. That's a benefit. Who wants refuge in your life? Start at the secret place. You can't do it. Watch this. So I go back in the secret place. Look at verse 3. Keep going. Don't, don't turn that, that, that the, the thing off. Look at verse 3. Surely he will deliver me from the... This is the psalmist saying, from his experience in the secret place, he's saying, this is what comes out of my secret place. He will deliver me. In other words, I come out, I, I got delivered. I walk in freedom. Come back in. Watch this. Look at verse 4. Sure, he shall cover me with his feathers. Why do I have confidence in that? Because I feel the presence of God, or I know the presence of God. I know the love of God in the secret place of prayer. I'm almost done, guys. I know you. <laughs> now watch verse 5. and say, I'm, gonna, I'm getting somewhere with this. You shall not be afraid. Wait a minute. My fear goes away the more I spend time with God. Wait, wait. I used to be afraid, but when I dwell in the secret place... Watch this. I will not be afraid. Listen, listen. This is the key to your walk with God. Is getting back to the place where God invade my life. Put a worship CD on. Put your phone on. Start worshiping God in that secret place. And all of a sudden you will feel like a giant in the spirit. Now, now, now watch. Now look at verse 6. Uh, verse 7, sorry. Now he, here's the key, guys. Watch this. <clears throat> a thousand may fall your side. The 10,000, it should not come near you, right? But it should not come near you. How does he have that confidence? With, because he's, he's been in the secret place with God. Watch this. Only with the eyes shall you see the reward of the wicked. Watch this. Here's the key. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, watch this, your dwelling place. Because, watch this. Keep going. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come by your dwelling. Look at this promise. For he shall give his angels charge over you. Stay there for one more second. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this. Do you see verse 9, the revelation I saw? Look, go back. For he, because you've made the Lord your dwelling, your refuge, your dwelling place. Wait, so, so watch. How do we make the Lord our dwelling place? By dwelling in the secret place. Do you hear this? How do you make the Lord your dwelling place? By dwelling in the secret place. You know, like, like I said this before, but you know, there's, when you come out of that secret place, you have no fear. You're filled again with the Holy Spirit. Now you desire to do the things that God told you to do because you're spending time in the secret place. 
You know, it gives you such benefits. If I, if I go to a neighborhood that I know that is violent all by myself and I'm not equipped with things around me, I'm probably going to be jumped. But, man, when you come on here, you come here, even though you look like you're alone, you have the confidence to say, the angel of the Lord encamps around me. Come on, give them a big hand. Thank you, guys. <laughs> See, you thank me. You don't have to. <laughs> I just, this, say secret place. Now, I, I said that because I want to give you, in a sense, part two of this sermon, which I want you to really hear me because this is the most important thing I'm probably going to say in this message. Out of the secret place with God. Now, let me just pause. Why is this such a struggle for so many? If you, if you did a private uh, survey to every believer, and, they would, and you would ask them, what is your weakest uh, discipline in your walk with God? Almost 90%, I'm sure, would say, my private time, my private devotion with God. Because we are built in this nation for, for operating fast. We are built in this nation, in the Western world, to be microwave. If it doesn't happen fast, it's, we're not going to wait. We don't like dwelling. We don't like uh, going to the secret place. We just want to do, do, do. Let me preach. Let me teach. Let me disciple. I'm bored. Guess what? If you're bored with God, it's because maybe you don't know how much you are valued by God. Now, I'm going to do somewhere where it's going to hit home. And when I started studying this again, I honestly started weeping with the tenderness of God. One of, the, one of the things in the secret place that the Lord desires to reveal, put that slide up, is manifest his love to us while we pour our love back to him. I want to say something right now, because if we're going to grow in the love of God, we need to have a revelation of how much God loves us. In the secret place, I believe... I believe the greenhouse, the spiritual greenhouse effects, effect will come exponentially in one major area. The revelation of how much you are valued and how much God loves you. Now, not because you heard it from a song. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Not because a preacher said it, but you will know it experientially. In the secret place, the mighty, mighty revelation of the love of God. Now, now watch this. The secret... To loving Jesus is knowing that you are first loved by Jesus. Please hear me now. I'm going to say this again. The secret to truly loving Jesus is knowing that you are loved by Jesus. Look at what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. This is so, it's, it's a little verse. It's a little verse. But we can't love Jesus without we, knowing that we are loved by Jesus. Because, listen, by the Holy Spirit, God will need to reveal that to you. Because, as they said before in the past, it takes God to love God. It takes the Holy Spirit to reveal how much God loves you. When you realize how much God loves you, you will love God with such fervency. We are trying to love God without a revelation of how much God loves us. Look, look at this. We love Him. Everybody say, because. Come on, everybody say, because. That means we can't fully love God until we know that he first loved us. We're all saved mostly in this room, so it's, this is a very basic message to you. You may say, well, I need something deep. This is deep. 
Because you would be spending long hours and long times and seeking God, wanting, hungering for God if you absolutely knew that he loved you first. The God that was from everlasting to everlasting loved you first. We first love him because he first loves us. Now watch this. Here's the next slide I want you to see. The more you understand how much God loves you, the more you will love him. The more you understand how much God loves you, the more you will love him. I wrote something down here. If you have a difficulty in your devotion to Jesus, you may have a difficulty knowing how much he is devoted to you. If you have a difficulty in your devotion, can I just say and open up and say there was a time in my life where I was serving God, but I didn't have this revelation. And there's a time that if I didn't have this revelation, I would be convinced that Jesus didn't love me or forsook me during my severe trial that I've been walking in. Just the other day while I was in my private time with God, I said this to him. I said, you love me. Think about that. Lord, I know you love me. It's like Jesus is saying, are you allowing this affliction to let you believe that I have stopped loving you? The first thing, one of the first things that the enemy attacks when you're going through severe pain is God doesn't love you. I hear all the time as a pastor in many years when things happen to people's family, the, you know what the first thing they say? They start off the sentence like this. If God loved me, why did he allow this to happen? It's always connected to their pain being uh, interpreted as God abandoning them. But when you truly know and truly know in the secret place and through the word, and you know it experientially, nothing can shake you. I said nothing can shake you. Now this is where I'm going to land this morning. This scripture right here. This brought me to tears. I've read it before. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a one verse parable. When you read the parables, there's usually several verses. This one parable is one verse. And it talks about something that for many years in the Western world has been interpreted a certain way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe how it's been de- interpreted. And then I'm going tr- to describe what I feel it really means. Okay. I want you to see a very powerful uh, scripture here in Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. Matthew 13, verse 44. Are you getting something this morning? Verse 44 in the Amplified. I want you to see this. The kingdom of heaven, because I want to break down how much you are worth. The kingdom of heaven is like something precious. Some, some of you have the tra- translation of a treasure. A treasure buried in a field. Which a man found, watch this, he found this treasure and he hid it again. Then in his joy, he goes out and sells all he has and buys not the the treasure, he buys the whole field. He's so excited that he found this treasure that he looks around and he says, "So so that nobody could come later on this field and stumble across this treasure I'm going to buy the whole field. I'm going to buy the whole field. Right? Now, in the past, the traditional way of interpreting this, uh, according to commentaries and, and things that I have read, the traditional translation of this parable is the kingdom of heaven is the treasure. Because he said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Buried, right? 
That's what he says. It's like a, it's like a kingdom of heaven. It's like a treasure buried uh, in, in, in the field. So they interpret that the kingdom of heaven is the treasure. They interpret the man being us, right, the man being us, the people, right? And then we find the treasure, listen to me, we find the treasure and we sell everything, so we give everything our lives so that we could have the kingdom of heaven, right? And it sounds really good. It sounds really spiritual. And, it, and there is a principle in the Bible about that, right? So for, for years, I mean, many, of, many people have interpreted that, hey, listen, the kingdom is, is a treasure and the man is us. And we, we find the treasure, which is Jesus, and we, and we sell everything, right? But I'll explain to you why, why. This is not the way that we have interpreted. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven can't be found. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like. Do you know that God found you? You didn't find God? <laughs> a lot of times, I found God. Like, like God was like, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Hey, God. Hey, God. I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm lost. Come, come here. Come here. I'm lost. God found you. Watch this. God always finds always initiates. So the kingdom of heaven can't be found because, watch this, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what happened? Who found who? Come on, come on, come on. When Adam sinned, what happened? Listen, I'm going somewhere. He, he didn't want to go to the secret place anymore. He hid, and the Lord says, where are you, Adam? <laughs> I find that whenever God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know. He said, where are you with me? Where are you? You used to be. You used to be with me. You're not with me anymore. I miss you, Adam. Where are you? How about Cain, their children? Cain killed Abel. Who was the first one to initiate the pursuit? Come on, somebody. Read your Bibles. Cain, where's your brother? I ain't my brother's keeper. He's somewhere around here. The voice of your brother cries out to me. Watch this, watch this. The prodigal son. Who looked, who made the first initial step? It was the father. You know why? Now the Bible, watch this, watch this revelation. The Bible says, when he, the prodigal was a far way off, the father saw him. You know why? You know why? You know why? Because he was looking for him. If you look, listen, listen, we, we, have this, we have this thought when we read the prodigal son that the guy was just eating. He's like, oh, I don't know. My son's coming. No, he was worried about his son every day. And every day he would be out there. Maybe this day he will come in and he's looking. Listen, when you look for something, you'll find it. The father was looking for his son. He probably wasn't eating. And day after day after day, he's eating and he's looking out, knowing that his son is the one who, who messed up. He's looking. The Bible says when the prodigal son was eating with the pigs and he decided to come back, not when he was near, when he was way out there. That tells me that the father was intentionally looking for just a little, oh, I recognize that. Oh, I recognize his head, that big head of him. Hey, guys, I, I think that's my son. I heard a story of a preacher saying that him and his son, his son growing up, he always had money. His son always had money, and he was always tight. 
You know, he's like the, the kids would be like, hey, look, he's a teenager. And he had like all these 20s that he had built up throughout his birthdays and stuff. Hey, why don't you buy something? And the guy goes, no, I'd rather keep the money, right? And so they said that, that I heard a story that they, he goes, every time I go diving, the, 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 the pastor said, I, I find bottles, you know, I find bottles. And he said, my, I remember one time hearing this and he goes, but my son, he finds $20 bills in the ocean, right? And he says, you know why he finds money? Because he's looking for it. Because while they're talking, he's like, yeah, huh? Why do I say this? Are you ready for this? This is the interpretation of that parable. The field is the whole world. The man is Jesus. And the treasure is you and I. Watch this. And for joy of finding that treasure. What's that familiar scripture there? For joy that he found the treasure. He sells all. He buys a whole, the whole field because he's so excited about finding that treasure. You know that man is Jesus. The Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And I'm here to tell you, God wasn't gifted you and I. He He bought us with his blood. He bought us with his life. It wasn't a gift. Look at this. Look at 1 Corinthians. And I'm I'm going to close real soon. Look at 1 Corinthians. It says chapter 6, verse 19 in your Bibles, and it's going to be up there. If you're there, say amen. Don't you realize, Paul said, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given in you by God? Watch this. You do not belong to yourself. I'm going to read that again very slowly. If you're saved, you're the treasure, and you were bought. It wasn't gifted. You weren't, you, you weren't like, here, 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 here's a gift. It cost the Father everything. It cost the Father everything. When he looked at his spiritual bank account, and he says, I want to give the, 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 the greatest treasure to humanity, my own son. Now watch what it says next. You do not belong to yourself. Why do you not belong to yourself? Because he's a mean God? No, let's keep reading. For God bought you, come on, with a high price. Who's the man that bought that field? Come on, who's the man that bought that field? He was so excited that of a treasure. I, if it was me, I'd be like, I'm just going to buy that treasure. I'm going to keep that treasure for me. He's like, no, there's probably other treasure all around here. I'm going to buy the whole field. Jesus says, I'm going to buy the whole world with my love. Come on. I'm going to watch this. You were bought with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. There's a high price that was paid for you. Now watch this. Watch this. This is, this is great. Because in the natural, the value of anything is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. I'm going to preach here. In the natural, come on, come on, come on. I said in the natural, the value of something is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. If I wanted to buy a car from you and you said it's $20,000, if I put it on eBay or on Facebook Market and everyone's saying, no, that is worth $10,000, it's because that's what people are willing to pay for that because that's what they value it. 
Elijah, you do good with shoes. Everybody that knows shoes, my son back there, if, they, if there's like fake Jordans and people are trying to say, hey, this is like $1,000, and you're like, no, that's not the right one. Oh, no, it looks like the right one. No, because you know what you value. What people are willing to pay for determines the, the depth of the value. When Barry Bonds, anybody know who Barry Bonds is? I mean, I mean I'm not old. Okay. Uh, some of you, don't, you know, Barry Bonds years ago, he broke the all-time, I read this in the story, he broke the all-time record for home runs that has ever been done in the history of baseball. That means he beat Babe Ruth. He beat all these people that were doing it for years. He's number one. And I heard a story that the guy that caught the ball, he was coming from a concession stand, and he came and he caught the ball, right? And all the security started surrounding him because they know they're about to mob him, right? And so he wanted to sell it. And you know what the, the value of that ball was? The, a ball, a ball. Five million dollars. Why? But why? Because someone was, was deeming to say that ball is of super high value, watch this, that I'm willing, willing to pay $5 million for that. Not me, though. I mean, I would never do that. Well, I don't have $5 million, but it's okay. Someone, watch this, valued that ball, that ball, that they were willing to pay $5 million. <laughs> Are you ready for this? The highest price that has ever been paid for anything was paid for you. I want, I want the worship team to come up, up, up here. The highest price that was ever paid for anything was paid for you. I'm going to say this. You and I are worth to the Father what Jesus is worth to the Father. You guys didn't hear me. I know some of us come in a prayer movement. We're like, okay, I already know this. Who cares? Get it in your system again. I'm serious. It's pride, it's pride, it's pride to say, I already heard this before. Get it in your system again. You're not living like you know it. You may know it in here, but you're not living like you know it. You and I are worth to the Father what Jesus is worth to the Father. Can you, that, that revelation alone will break off condemnation and shame and guilt and all kinds of things. But we don't know. We know it here. But some of you are actually shocked by that statement. Some of you that are new to this, some of you are like, wait a minute, that is blasphemous. How can we, dirty, wicked, nasty, weak human beings, be worth to the Father the same as Jesus? Maybe we're a little different, but not. don't say we're worth the same amount as Jesus is to the Father. Some of you have never heard that. Look at this. You know why we're worth that way? Because that is what the Father is willing to pay. Remember what I said. Remember what I said. Anything that someone pays for determines his value. Then why would the Father send Jesus to pay? Do you know how valuable you are? That when the Father looked all over heaven and said, Gabriel, well, he's pretty a pretty mighty being. Michael, elders, creatures, maybe we could send them. He said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empty my bank account. And I'm going to say, son, Jesus, before the foundation of the world, let's settle it right now. You're going to come, it's, it's going to be a little awkward. You're going to be, you're going to understand what human flesh feels like. For the first time, eternity is going to be capsulized 
in a body. All of eternity is going to be capsulized in a, in a body. And you're going to go. And the creation that we created together, they're going to hate you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to crucify you. Are you still willing to go? Yes, Lord. Why? Because I value this them so much that there's no one, there's no one in heaven that is greater that I need to send to redeem the most valuable treasure that I have other than my son. John chapter 7, I'm saying this on purpose because I felt the Lord say, many of you, the launching pad in your life is you do not know the love of God for you. You know about the love of God and we sing about it, but I tr trust me, you don't know it experientially. Until you know it experientially and theologically and it's in your system, how you act, this is going to be controversial, will not be in a life of willful sin. I'm just telling you. If you truly know this and then you express your love back to God, Nothing in your life would want to disturb that relationship. Now look at this last scripture, and then we're closing. Je Jesus is praying, the famous scripture, many of you guys know, but let's read it with me again. Some of you guys need this as an anchor. Jesus is praying. Now I know about you, but if Jesus prays something, it's going to be answered by the Father. So Jesus is praying. Now, now listen to what he's praying. I, I, I landed on this verse on purpose so you won't think it's just for the disciples. Watch what Jesus said. He's in, the, he's in the corner praying and the Holy Spirit is capturing his words. Think about it. As he's praying in agony to the Father. And this is what the Holy Spirit catches him praying. I am praying. Watch this, guys. I'm going to shout. Not only for these disciples. Right here, the 12. But also for all who will ever believe in me. That means it's you this morning. I'm praying. He prayed for you one day. He prayed for me one day. And this is his prayer. Years ago, Jesus, the Son of God, said, I don't only pray for these 12, but everyone that says yes to me, this is my prayer for them, Father. Watch this. Keep going. Keep going. Don't you realize? No, 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 no. Keep going in John. I pray that they will be one. Just as you and I are one. He's praying this to the Father. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us, watch this, so that the world will believe you in me. Now look at verse 22. Guys, just flow with me back there. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Now watch this. Watch this. Look at verse 23 in the NLT. John 17 verse 23 John 17 verse 23 I am in them and you are in me he's praying may they that means you and me experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me you can't get any clearer than this let them know, Father, what me and you already know, but they don't know it. 
Let them know that you love them as equal as you love me. Oh my God. That you love them as much as you love me, Jesus, the sinless man. Do you realize how much you're worth? If you did, I guarantee you, you would not have the attitudes that you have. You will not think this message is boring. If you love Jesus, everything will be a delight. He says, let them know that I want them to know that you love them as much as you love me. You know what that would produce in you? I'm closing. It will produce a fiery, unquenchable love for Jesus that sin cannot destroy that boredom cannot distract, that temptations cannot shut down, that afflictions cannot do anything. It will produce a fiery love in you and I when you know that you are loved the same as you. Pause for a second and say this with me. Say, the Father loves me the same way, the same amount, with the same fervency as he loves Jesus. That almost seems blasphemous to some of you. But if you don't get this, you will never launch high. You'll be bound by condemnation all your life. You'll be bound by shame all your life. You'll be bound by guilt all your life because you don't know your worth. You're not $10 million. You're not a trillion dollars. There is no price tag for you. The price tag is only one thing, is the person of Jesus Christ for you. He found us his treasure. When we know that, watch this, we'll run back to the secret place. And we say, Jesus, thank you. Now watch, here's where I'm closing. What will that revelation produce for you? A love in return back to Jesus. So when you realize that you are loved, not perfect, you are loved the same way by the Father, as Jesus, as the Father loves Jesus, it will produce a love back to the Father in your private time. I believe the Lord is bringing people back to the secret place so that we could avoid burnout, so that we could avoid that crankiness, so that we could avoid the, the boredom, so that we could avoid the powerlessness in the body of Christ. If it's the incubator that he wants us in, maybe this is a season where he is drawing some of you to, be, to still yourself. And he's saying, come back to the greenhouse. Why, Lord, why? I have things to do for you. I want to do for you. I'm wasting time here. You can never be powerful without getting in the incubator first. You must, you must, you must. You must come back. And some of you don't come because you don't know what you're worth. Have you sinned? Yes. Have you messed up? Yes. I'm going to say something shocking to you in closing. Even when you messed up big time, you're still worth to him as much as Jesus is worth. Let's stand up. I know today is a little different. We're not shouting at the altar call. 